Well, that was the opening music for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I've said this before, but it's like iconic opening music because you hear the, you hear the first few notes of that and you're just sucked right back into the, the movie. It's such an integral part of the film. And I think that's really apparent when we watch the second movie that is going to be part of our show today, The Secret of the Incas. And there just really wasn't much music in that at all, except for the weird musical interludes on top of the mountain, which... I yes, <laughs> that was unusual. I'm, I'm so confused by that. It was, a, it was a little bit like the weird musical interlude in Stagecoach, where they just sort of decided to insert some, uh, some singing. Today we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, because it is the 40th anniversary of that film. And I remember seeing that movie in the theater for sure. That was exciting. Oh, we all went together, yeah. We may have even gone twice. Probably. I remember being really scared at the part near the end when they opened the... The, uh, well, the, the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, that was, that was pretty scary for a, what, an 11-year-old. It's quite a movie. I, I watched it again just a couple of days ago, so I had my notes in order. And the music, whenever it comes on, you know, the full theme... I love that. It just it just adds tremendously to the movie. It's tr it's truly a hundred percent match of film to music. You couldn't think of a better example, although there are some that are as good. Well, I think a lot of the John Williams, um, Steven Spielberg, George Lucas collaborations are oh, on that list no for kidding. sure. And, and I and I promise not to take us down that rabbit hole I did with connecting the the uh, two movies. And who was the father of Charlton Heston? And I, I <laughs> yeah, no, but you should mention it though because uh, you you kind of had it figured out, like from a timeline well, standpoint. Yes. So we know that we know that Sean Connery is is uh, the father of uh, Indiana Jones from the. Should, should from I the walk movie us through series. that now? I have my note in front of me. For this to work, you have to put your mind in 1936, when I Indiana Jones is off with the menacing Raiders of the Lost Ark. That takes place in 1936. At that time, Indiana was 39 years old. Or the, you know, Harrison Ford was 39 years old, but the movie's 1936. So you got to buy into that. <clears throat> His father is Sean Connery. We know that from another film. Secret of the Incas came along 18 years later than Indiana Jones in 1936. In 1954. So... Charlton Heston's character was, uh, at the time of the movie, 31 years old. Anyway, to make this so that it doesn't get me confused, it's possible that Indiana Jones was either the uncle of or the father of Charlton Heston's character, St Mr. Steele. Harry Steele. Harry Steele, I won't yeah. go into the math on that because even I will get bored. But 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 you have to accept the fact that you believe the movie took place in the time frame that it's presented in the feature films. And with that, I will stop. Well, and, and I should also give a shout out to Arthur Skulko for the idea to review these two movies uh, because uh, I, I'd never heard of Secret of the Incas. And boy, there are a lot of similarities between that movie and Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's amazing. I, I saw it when it came out in 1950. I probably saw it in 1955. But I, of course, I didn't have any reference to the later 
Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I, I too, want to thank Arthur, because the comparison has been really, really fun. And we've done a couple of others like this, like uh, the 310 to Yuma, where we compared the earlier versus the later version. But this is completely different. It was two different movies entirely. You know, I was reading on some of the comments um, on IMDb, and also there's some on, it's available on YouTube, uh, and there are some comments there that were saying that it's not a shot-for-shot remake by any means of, you know, Raiders is not a shot-by-shot remake of Secret of the Incas, but, you know, you look at Harry Steele's hat and his jacket and and a little bit of his attitude and kind of the, the, the general kind of gist of the plot, it's, it's pretty similar to Raiders. But I think Raiders had a lot of influence from many different sources i mean the serials even the oh, radio serials oh from yes the, you know the early early days of radio and, and then some of those uh serials that they would show before movies um i think influenced raiders and the pulp the pulp uh magazines too like the you know the it, raiders to me feels like a really great pulp uh story from the 30s you know <laughs> I really think that when I was a kid, I lived for the Saturday matinee because of the serials. Because there were usually 12 to 15 episodes, and it always turned out that you had to go see the next one. So you do the math on that, that's about eight years of serials that I must have gone to see. That's a lot of popcorn. Well, and they were the masters of the cliffhanger, right? And oh, definitely. And I think even like within uh, Raiders, the movie, there's there's great cliffhangers <laughs> that just kind of keep you guessing as to what what is going to happen next, and you and you just want to like see like okay, what's the next thing? And not to mention the action set pieces that they've got in that movie. Here's a list of some of the serials that uh, I read. Kind of went into the thinking when they put it together. Buck Rogers, then Zorro's Fighting Legion. My favorite title, Spy Smasher, from 1942, and Dan Winslow of the Navy. I love that. I just love those serials. On, on um, Turner Classic Movies on Saturday morning, uh, they have, uh, at 6.30 Pacific time, they have a serial. The complete serial from beginning to end, yeah. So every Saturday at 6.30, there's a new episode. This right now, it's Batman and Robin. I've been watching way too much. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever noticed this or if you found this, but on YouTube, they have like the complete uh, Flash Gordon. Yes. Serials. And there's there's some others. And I, I've tried to watch those. It's it's like it's hours of, of, of the show. But it's interesting. I don't think, you know, those shows were not made to be binge watched. Like No. Oh, no. No. We watch shows now. You, you know, it's it's... It's not as good. It just it, there's a lot of repetition, and uh, it, it doesn't really carry itself through. Like to w- sit down and watch it for three hours straight. But if you watch an episode here and then like an- and then you come back and watch another episode, it, it's much better. And I think that's an interesting um, thought to have about how viewing has changed. And you know, we just watched this show, The Squid Game on Netflix, which is apparently like the most popular television series of all time on Netflix, which is shown in 90 countries, which makes me think it might be the most popular TV series of all time. I don't know. It's got to be up there. 
in terms of viewership. But you know that we just we just powered through that and watched it in in like two days, and and it's designed, I think, to to do that. And the old serials are not. Oh, no, they're I, just not I, the I, same. I, th- those serials from the '30s and '40s, the executives at the studios were aiming the audience or aiming them for the audience. Like me, I was at like six to twelve years old. Every week. Not only did you get to go to the theater, but you you paid your money for the tickets and all the concessions. It was, it was perfect. And and for me, I never could remember. Yeah, and they would they would have like a recap of last week's. So yeah, you'd right. be like, oh, okay. Because sometimes what I would miss one. I couldn't go every week. I, unfortunately, my mother and father had other plans sometimes, and I had to comply. <laughs> but wait, I'm going to miss <laughs> chapter eight. The the one I'm going to try to watch is that uh, Spy Smashers. That title, and it was made during World War II, so it's got to be really good. I, I don't remember that one. My favorite was a guy that had a suit he and a kind of a jetpack, and he could take off flying. Rocketeer? Rocket. Yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. That came a little later, but oh, man. We should, we should introduce ourselves. Okay. <laughs> good idea. Ten minutes into the show. Yeah, well... Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Classic Movie Reviews, and you can find us on the internet at classicmoviereviews.net and on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash classicmoviereviews. And thank you to our patrons. I really appreciate your support. And uh, my name is Matt Johnson, and I'm coming to you from uh, sunny North Bend. And this is uh, Bob Johnson in Los Angeles welcoming everybody back to Classic Movie Reviews. Raiders of the Lost Ark and The Secret of the Incas, which is interesting. They were both uh, distributed by Paramount. I didn't realize that until I was just thinking about that today. And um, before we did the introductions, you were talking about the set pieces. And my reading on that is that they really had a lot of different people collaborating with them. Spielberg and Lucas and uh, Lawrence Kasdan uh, did the script and Philip Kaufman was originally scheduled to be the director but I think he's the one that came up with the idea of having the set they, the, they, they kind of all came up with the idea of having like these set pieces and then they turned it over to Kasdan and said now can, can write the connecting story because we really want to do these set pieces in Nepal and in, uh, in uh, the, the Mediterranean area and so uh, Kasdan had the piece all this together it, it's amazing the the time and the uh, years that went into this you know, not that they were doing it full time but on and off because they were also working on some little flick called star wars and uh some other jobs other things were going on so yeah right how would you like to sit on sit in on a on a uh, sort of a debate between lucas spielberg kasdan and philip kaufman on what they should do that would be fascinating, wouldn't it? I remember we were talking about that when they when they were when Lucas was putting together American Graffiti, and we were we were talking about how all these amazing directors were just hanging out, eating pizza together, and watching a cut of the film. And I was like, that's just incredible to think about all those creative minds together, and and you know how to decide what to do next. They just had so many ideas. Well, my my favorite, and I'm glad they changed it, but the original. Name for Indiana was Indiana Smith. Oh gosh, it just doesn't it doesn't really ring. And they realized, oh wait a minute, there was a movie that came out a few years before that called Nevada Smith with Steve McQueen, and uh, they came to the conclusion that it would be confusing to the to the uh, marketing and selling of the film. People might think it was a sequel to 
Nevada Smith. So Indiana Smith became Indiana Jones. Much, I mean, some of these things you can't even. I can't think of how it could be any better by some other, ch- you know, that was so well done. And all the people that were considered to play in the parts. Yeah, there's nothing about the movie that I would criticize. I, I, I just, every time I watch it, I just get sucked into it, like, immediately. And, you know, it's it's the directing, it's the music, it's the acting, the, the set designs, the costumes, uh, everything. The special effects, you know, like the... The, the the very one of the very first opening scenes when he's going into that cave and he's got to navigate all these traps you know what a what a great setup and and then he thinks he's got it by putting that bag of sand to replace the golden statue and <laughs> yeah. he gets that look of relief on his face and then you hear like some lever in the background moving and then it's like oh crap <laughs> and he's got to run in front of that the boulder that giant rolling ball i mean that's just such a great idea and you know it's, it's sometimes you i think oh some of this has been done before but not not exactly in the same way and not as well like they just executed so well on all these ideas well i think that's a perfect segue into the comparison between secret of the incas and raiders of the lost ark because secret of the incas if it were done in the way that indiana jones had been done would be, um, I, in my view, a much more exciting and, and an interesting movie that would pull you into it. But it, it's more like set pieces, and it's kind of moving. Rather, I mean, it's got a great idea, but the execution is nowhere near what it is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's not the music, there's not the drama, there's not the set pieces. When they actually filmed a lot of it in Peru. Oh, I know. It was amazing. Like, and they had all those uh, actors that yeah. came up and were up there at Machu Picchu, and you know, I think that's got <laughs> that had to be had, expensive to get all those people up there. They had five hundred uh, local people in, involved in the movie, and yet it's sort of jarring to me when it would switch from the real place to the to the studio set. Yeah, it was very obvious. It's so clear. They kind of had like these set pieces where he steals the plane or that guy that tries to shoot him when he's on the balcony and then he runs across the street, knocks Mm -hmm. him out or climbing up the mountain. It's similarly designed in terms of like these set pieces, but the connecting tissue between them is not as strong. And there wasn't really a, a, a really strong villain ed morgan i think was supposed to be the villain but it, it was just not the same as the nazis in raiders of the lost ark no he was he was much more uh toned down the other thing is for me just stepping back and thinking of the two films which are separated by what uh almost 30 years not quite 30 years but in the raiders of the lost ark you can just see the care and love and and enthusiasm and time that went into it. Whereas with Secret of the Incas, it's kind of a product of the studio system where, okay, we've got 37 movies we're going to release in 1954 or whatever the number might be. This is number 22. So these are the people. It's kind of organized. And to me, it seems bland. Yeah, It doesn't fare well in comparison. Once you get past some of the similarities of character and... That kind of thing. Exactly, bland is is a is a great uh, description adjective for the movie. It's 
it's got its moments. I liked some of the interactions between Charlton Heston and the actress that played the main love interest. Oh, Nicole uh, Murray. Yeah, there was some interesting dialogue between the two of them. Mr. Steele, Harry Steele. Well, does the name really matter? Yes, because my name's Steele. I'm bigger than you are. Oh, I... You should have stuck around the museum this afternoon. I didn't know who you were. Now you know. I called Mr. Morgan. He said you would help me. Mr. Morgan says a lot of things. How'd you know where to find him? Nina Costa sent me. From the Club Granada in La Paz. I worked for her. Dancing. The club must have changed its policy. All I do is dance, Mr. Teal. Call me Harry. Does he have tomorrow algo, la señorita? He wants to know if you're drinking. Oh, thank you. A pisco sour in a tall glass. A pisco sour double. What's your name? Elena. Elena Antonescu. Mr. Morgan said you're from Europe. He didn't say where. It's not important. Like that. How'd you get out? Under the fence? Illegally, yes. That must have been tough. They have been trying to get me back ever since. Say soles. That'll be six soles. I'm on a budget. Now, what's your problem? I want to get into the United States. Why don't you ask me something easy, like a nice murder or a boatload of penicillin? All I wish from you is to go north. If I can get to Mexico, I will be that much closer to the States. Well, even that might take a little time. You will help me? Don't rush me. She was kind of calling him on some of his crap in terms of being a thief and a scoundrel. And there was an interesting kind of turn of events when she basically said to him that you're no better than Ed Morgan. It's like you're just a taller version of him. That Morgan, what is he doing here? You know what he's doing. You're bad enough, but he's something special. That's funny, he likes you. Harry, before I didn't ask a favor, but I ask now. Why don't we leave, you and I, right away? You miss all the native dances? I won't ask again. Whatever happens now, it's your affair. Doc's a nice guy, isn't he? Kind of polite, very gentle. I notice he's all charged up about you. A kind of yes man, no man sort of way. Wouldn't surprise me a bit if you got a bid to marry the guy. You wouldn't think of anything else. That way you'd get to the States, all right? Well, maybe not New York. The doc's from Boston. I think you'd like Boston. All you'd have to do is stay here when I leave. What could be nicer? Girl like you, you're made for somebody like me. You know it. So just keep the dock happy till we're ready to move out. I can't do without you. You know why? 
My country, when you want to know what kind of man a boy will be, you look at his father. Morgan could be your father. I can see him in your eyes. One day you will not be Harry anymore, you will be him. I'm too tall to make a good Morgan. For a tall man, you are the smallest man I ever met. And then he sort of thinks about that, and he's he got a scene later with Ed Morgan where he says, oh, it's nothing, I, I just feel like I'm looking in the mirror when he's talking to Ed Morgan. And I wish they could have gone more into some of that character development, uh, because a lot of his character was not really that likable. I was reading that somebody compared him more to like a Han Solo than a, than a, um, than a Indiana Jones. He's more of a scoundrel like Han Solo. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. That's true. That's true. It, it's... Um I think it's also a testament to the to the direction that went into Raiders. The the uh, director for Secret of the Incas, Jerry Hopper, really didn't do a lot of movies. He but he made he he directed dozens and dozens of television shows. I, I was reading about him. Um, he did like eight Perry Masons from the nineteen sixties. He did like. I think 15, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, which was a very popular TV show. Oh, yeah, show. that's a good and show. And just an endless list of TV programs, which are pretty much formula-driven, and I got the feeling that the film was a bit that same way. I mean, I, I, it's it's fun to watch, but... That's interesting, because, you know, thinking about it now, after you say that, it does feel more like an episodic TV show, maybe like three episodes it could have really benefited from some editing there was parts that just i was wondering why they were there they didn't really add anything and and certainly like the singing scenes Inti's daughter sang this song when she and the virgins of the temple were claimed by the sun. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand those. Why they put those in there? They wasn't even. It wasn't even. It, it just looked forced and uncomfortable, and that's how I felt while I was watching it. <laughs> so. Near the end of the film, in the in the last parts of Secret of the Incas, and I wondered if you felt the same way about this. Uh, Heston's love interest sort of, I thought, was falling in love with Robert Young. Yeah, the archaeologists, and they were going to get away and, and be able to go to the U.S., but then it, it just suddenly shifted to where she was leaving with Heston. Yeah. And I thought, here's poor Robert Young's character, Stanley Moorhead. He's up there in the mountains of Peru, and she, he thinks she's going with him, and boom, she's gone. It, it just it could have used yeah. a little bit more finesse and explaining what that was. I wonder if they even needed the Robert Young character in that whole side story. This could have really shortened the film and made it tighter, I think, as well. As they go up, get to Machu Picchu, hot on their heels is Ed Morgan because he's figured out what Harry Steele's up to. They, they get there. Less than a day later, Harry Morgan shows up. Then we cut to the scenes of them talking and trying to haggle over the stone with the map. And maybe then the indigenous people come up with the archaeologists and then harry sort of like has a change of heart whole robert young and then the elena antonescu 
maybe there could have been a little bit of something there where but then she realizes that no she actually likes uh harry Steele and like and he's had a change of heart it just slowed it down and got kind of confusing with all these different characters and like you said the love interest with with this archaeologist was was weird yeah this is an example of a movie that was made without really thinking it through as to like what is it that we're trying to do here <laughs> <laughs> i think we missed another similarity in the in between the two films there's a tomb scene in secret of the incas that involves the shaft of light oh yeah 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 and yeah. that's so yeah. similar to the map room map totally room, map rooms sequence in raiders that but, had to have been an inspiration that that was way too similar well i've got a quote here from the uh costume designer this is a paraphrase. I always thought it's strange that the filmmakers did not did not credit it later, being it being the secret of the Incas, as the inspiration for the film, because in many ways it had some of the same shots, and they'd all watched that film many times together. But there is a vast difference in how it's delivered to the screen and the production values, and I can never get tired of watching Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, same. I love that movie so much. I have. Every time it got, it was like, it was kind of, it's kind of like Star Wars. Every time they re-release it on a different media format, I end up buying it. So I've got like <laughs> VHS, Star Wars, I've got DVD, Star Wars, I've got Blu-ray, Star Wars, I've got Star Wars on streaming, and, and it's the same with Raiders. I have all those different things, because I just love it. It's just, it's one of those movies along with Star Wars and Empire and Blade Runner and, you know, this Raiders that just are a part of my childhood. I think Harrison Ford, too, at that time, because he was just in the string of, like, amazing films. Oh, I know. He was in all those movies that I just mentioned, and, and he was one of my heroes growing up. I just thought, man, I want to grow up to be like Harrison Ford. And I remember also thinking that the um, San Francisco 49ers were really popular at that time, and uh, Joe Montana, I just thought he was amazing, too. I, I used to, th I think... I used to think Harrison Ford and Joe Montana. Yeah, I want to be like those guys. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Montana. Yeah, wow. He did quite a good job. I just find that uh, there, there's a lot of similarities in the films, but there's also a vast difference in how they're put together. Um, I don't. I guess with uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, just the highlights for me are the music. The history of how it was put together. Paramount really had quite a bit of influence on the budget for the film because they were afraid that it would go way over budget. And they said, you, you, you can have no more than 85 days to shoot this thing. And then when you see those set pieces, the one in the desert and all those others, they must have been building those simultaneously across the world so that when they were ready to film, they were ready to go. He probably learned a lot from Jaws. Oh, yeah. Well, and then, of course, Star Wars, because um, George was involved in Raiders as well. So I wonder if there's anyone who's listening to us who has not seen Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> it's, it's so popular. Yeah, I, I don't really think we need to go through the story too much. I guess some of my favorite scenes, if I had to pick like a, f a couple of my favorite scenes, is, yeah, the map room scene where they... It's just such an incredible shot when they're up on top of that hill and the sun is setting you know and they have the, they're kind of silhouetted and yeah i love that that whole part of the movie
And the opening, like I described with the, those traps in the cave and the rolling boulder. Give me the whip. Adios, señor. love that i love the chase through the moroccan streets and then i mean it was such a such a funny turn when that guy's got those swords and then he just whips out his gun and shoots him i mean i that was i don't know why that was so surprising but it really was surprising when that happens like oh okay well yeah why not <laughs> just remember the first time you saw that on the screen Oh, was, everybody laughed and everybody yeah. was sort of like, ah, they were so surprised by that and, and then laughing about it. Huh? I'm surprised at you, Jones, talking that way about our baby. He's got your looks, too. And your brain. <laughs> I noticed that. She's a smart little thing. Smart. <laughs> hey, where are you going? She'll be all right. Have a date. Come on. Come on, Marion. Hey, what's this? It's a date. You eat them. The guys. Yeah. Alright. The guys. He's not. Yeah, yeah.
some nice girl to settle down with. Raise eight or nine kids like your friend Sala. Who says I haven't? Ha <laughs> I do. Dad had you figured a long time ago. He said you were a bum. Always oh, being generous. The most gifted bum he ever trained. You know, he loved you like a son. Took a hell of a lot for you to alienate him. Not much, just you. Well, then my la the last one I'll say is the is the when they opened the Ark of the Covenant. That was so scary as an eleven year old. Marion, don't look at it. Shut your eyes, Marion. Don't look at it, no matter what happens. My favorite scenes would be all those that you mentioned. I also like the first time that evil Nazi guy dressed in black shows up at that bar in Nepal. That guy's name was uh, Tot, played by Ronald Lacey. I don't... He was evil, man. Oof. Good evening, Fraulein. The bar is closed. We are, we are not thirsty. What do you want? The same thing your friend Dr. Jones wanted. Surely he told you there would be other interested parties. He must have slipped his mind. The man is nefarious. I 
hope for your sake he has not yet acquired it. Why, are you willing to offer more? Oh, almost certainly. Do you still have it? No. But I know where it is. Hey, how, how about a drink for you and your men? Your fire is dying here. Why don't you tell me where the piece is right now? Listen, Air Mac. I don't know what kind of people you're used to dealing with. But nobody tells me what to do in my place. Fräulein Ravenwood, let me show you what I am used to. Nick! Kick your lousy hands off! Wait, 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 I, I can be reasonable. That time is past. You don't need that. Wait. I'll tell you everything. Yes, I know you will. Let her go. And on the market scene, and the fight that they have at that uh, unusually designed uh, German aircraft, because that, that was sort of like an early version of a flying wing. And then the very last scene in the, in the movie where they start with that boxed-up Ark of the Covenant and oh my gosh, go way yeah. back. And it looks like there's a room the size of 25 football stadiums full of materials that have been collected over the history of the world. And I thought, that's got to be Area 51. There's no doubt about it. That's either somewhere in Nevada. Yeah, there's a spaceship. There's a, there's a UFO in there somewhere. <laughs> Where is the Ark? I thought we'd settled that. The Ark is somewhere very safe. From whom? The Ark is a source of unspeakable power, and it has to be researched. And it will be, I assure you, Dr. Brody, Dr. Jones. We have top men working on it right now. Who? Top men. Hey, what happened? You don't look very happy. Fools. Bureaucratic What'd fools. What'd they say? They don't know what they've got there. Well, I know what I've got here. Come on. Buy a drink. You know. A drink? So the, the scenes and everything about it is just is just wonderful. Um, I wanted to do just a quick uh, mention of Robert Young, who plays in Secret of the Incas, and uh, he was Stanley Moorhead. He doesn't get a lot of screen time, and as you mentioned, sometimes you wonder if his character's part was even needed. 
he did over a hundred movies and uh, was on uh, a, a, t a radio and then a television show called Father Knows Best. The radio version ran from 1949 to 1954 and then TV from 1954 to 1960. Plus, you're going to remember this. He was the Captain Finley in Crossfire from 1947, the pipe smoking detective. He's one of my he's one of my favorite actors. Who, he's so good in that movie. But I always is. think of him from Father Knows Best. He's like the 1950s father figure. <laughs> he always had the right answer. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to mention him. Well, um, I, I can start with my ratings here. Um, it's obvious to me that Raiders of the Lost Ark, in my mind, is a 10. Clearly, everything about it that we've talked about and mentioned. And Secret of the Incas, I would give a 6. Uh, but it could, could be higher from its, for its influence that it had on Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Ark, Lost Ark. But as an entertainment film standalone, I'd give it just a, a little bit above average. Clearly, Raiders is a 10 for me as well, and that's no question. I would give Secret of the Incas a 5. There were parts that I thought were more like a 7 or an 8, like some like the, the tomb scene with the light shaft and, and that kind of thing, and then the the plane chase was pretty exciting. and there, So there were some good things in there. I like the beginning, too, when he's driving that tiny little... Um, train up the mountains with those tourists that was <laughs> yeah. so bizarre yeah that was funny and, uh, but then there were parts that were more like a three for me that just dragged and i was i was like what is going on why is this here so yeah five for me on that one um but on your a b c d e f scale what would you what would you give <laughs> secret of the oh, incas i'd give secret of the incas probably a oh a c minus d plus because when I saw it, I probably thought, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah. But for uh, Raiders of the Oz Ark, it's, it's still an A for me. Yeah, I think they did a pretty good job in Raiders. It, it holds up and, and I think could be re-released now, almost as is without without any changes. But yeah, Secret of the Incas, I thought the... Marion's one tough cookie in that film. I think she does really well. Oh, Marion is... Like yeah, I love Marion's character. She's She's great, and... She's done a lot of films. She was in a second Indiana Jones film from 2008. And uh, she was the lead uh, actor in uh, Starman with Jeff Bridges. And, of course, Animal House. She lives in uh, New England somewhere and teaches and, and that sort of thing. And has a business involving clothing and knitting. I want to mention just one other thing before we wrap it up. I think the stunt people in that film needed the next six months to recover from all the work that they did on the stunts. When that, when that, those men are going underneath the truck, being dr driven along the road. Oh my gosh, that looks so real and so that's so good. I watched how they did that too. That was that was incredible. There's several scenes like that. I mean, just it's amazing. I don't know, whatever they were paid, it, it, it they earned every penny of that. And then sure. really shows up on the screen. So, yeah, all all practical stunts too, like no computer graphics at that time, of course. So, yeah, great stuff. Oh, I'm just going to do a quick mention of our upcoming uh, podcast. We're going to switch to a co comedy military combination 
Uh, I wouldn't have thought that was possible, but I found some films that are that way. Two Abbott and Costello movies from right before World War II in 1941. So that'll kind of lighten up the mood before we go into a whole new area of foreign films, I think. Yeah, I think that's the plan. Um, I sent you one last night. Um, yes. Tokyo, a lot Tokyo of Drifter. Tokyo Drifter, which yep. looked, looked pretty interesting. So we'll have to check that out. It'll round out our foreign inventory. I don't have that list in front of me right now, but it's a it's a very long, long list that we can that we can focus down on. All right. Well, uh, happy birthday to uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Forty years makes me feel like I'm getting up there myself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> but what a successful uh, yeah. franchise. Thanks, thanks again, Arthur, for the suggestion. Great idea. If anyone else has ideas like that, please uh, drop us a note either on our website or uh, through Patreon. And uh, this is this is Matt coming to you from North Bend. And this is Bob in Los Angeles wishing everybody happy movie watching. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll see you next week with a new name. I feel like being funny today, so I'll, I'll, I'll try to tone it down. <laughs> well, I think it'll be hard not to be a little bit funny about the secret of the Incas. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got too much sleep. All right, I have two full pages of notes on Indiana Jones, step-by-step, scene-by-scene. I'm not going to go there with all that, but...